Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by China. Each week, we bring you a roundup in the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. Ada Shen is traveling this week. First, the news. The world's two biggest economies showed no signs of backing down in their trade dispute, as China said new measures imposed by the U.S. were sabotaging negotiations. There are principles for cooperation and there are bottom lines in negotiations, China's Commerce Ministry spokesman said last week. China won't make concessions on key matters of principle. The comments came after the United States and China imposed new tariffs on each other and the U.S. put a number of Chinese companies on an export blacklist. Analysts said the trade war appears to be shaping up as a new cold war around advanced technology, significantly complicating the future for negotiations. A new study has estimated the economic cost of air pollution in China's smoggy northeast. Beijing Normal University calculated that if the average concentration of fine particulate matter in the air in 28 cities dropped to China's national target, it would save the economy $2.5 billion per year. Most of the current economic loss comes from death and disease caused by exposure to pollution. A recent global review of the impact of air pollution on human health concluded that it damages most, if not all, organs in the body. Small-sized particles bring airborne poisons into direct contact with internal organs via the bloodstream and can trigger inflammation responses when the body tries to fight the pollution as if it were foreign bacteria or viruses. Speaking of air quality, Beijing should steer Chinese cities toward clean air by banning the sale of new fossil fuel-powered vehicles by 2030, a think tank has said. The move would galvanize the rest of China's megacities by leading the pack as the first to ban the sale of new fossil fuel-run buses, shipping vehicles, and taxis in the coming years. It should then ban the sale of new conventionally-powered private cars by 2030, the Beijing-based Innovation Center for Energy and Transportation said in a report released this week. The report forecasts that gas vehicles' days are numbered in China, with sales expected to peak around 2025. Hybrid and pure electric vehicles will gradually take the lead from that point on, 
with pure electric models likely to make up 85% of the market by 2050. Banning new gas vehicles would speed up the process while helping to clear the capital's air, the report said. China and Japan are making it easier for investors to put money into each other's stock markets through so-called exchange-traded funds, ETFs, with the two countries approving six such funds. The approvals are the latest move by Asia's two largest economies to speed up mutual access to each other's stock markets as the two countries seek to improve their often frosty relationship. China and Japan's relationship has improved since last year, which marked the 40th anniversary of their Peace and Friendship Treaty. Last May, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang went to Tokyo for a visit that marked the first high-level exchange between the two countries in seven years. During the trip, the Chinese government granted Japanese investors a combined quota to buy $30 billion in yuan-denominated mainland securities. A massive graft network surrounding the former party chief of Shanxi province surfaced as investigations took aim at more family members and associates of the disgraced official. At least six businessmen have come onto investigators' radar as they probe the corruption case of Zhao Zhengyong, former Communist Party chief of northwest China's resource-rich Shanxi province. Relatives of Zhao, including his wife, daughter, and brother, have also become targets of graft investigators, Caixin learned from several sources. 68-year-old Zhao was the first provincial-level official to fall in 2019 to Beijing's sweeping, years-long anti-corruption campaign. He was placed under investigation by the party's top graft buster less than a year after he retired as deputy chairman of the Judicial Affairs Committee under China's parliament. Authorities have yet to disclose details of Zhao's alleged violations. Speaking of corruption, the scandal at Guizhou Maotai has deepened. The former chairman of the company, the world's most valuable liquor maker, has been arrested and will face prosecution on corruption charges, China's top graft buster said. Yuan Renguo, who was chairman of Maotai from 2011 to 2018, has now been charged with taking an extremely huge amount of bribes and other severe violations, the Central Commission for Discipline Inspection said. Yuan reportedly used dealer licenses for Maotai liquor as tools to pull political strings, the CCDI said. He was also involved in exchanges of sex, money, and power, the corruption watchdog said. A senior executive of an e-commerce firm affiliated with Maotai was arrested for bribery as well. Bai Hong Credit Scoring, a central bank credit bureau, has been struggling in its first year to collect the quality data it needs to meet China's goal of revamping its patchy credit reporting system. Bai Hong is a key part of the government's efforts to improve credit reporting in a country where nearly 500 million people, around one-third of its population, do not have credit histories. Bai Hong was launched last year to collect and pool information from lending outside the traditional financial system. The idea was to supplement the central bank's credit database, which primarily gathers data from banks and other traditional lenders. Bai Hong was created to collect data from other sources such as consumer finance firms, online lenders, and peer-to-peer -peer platforms to rate the creditworthiness of consumers. One major hurdle Bai Hong has faced is the reluctance of small institutions to share their client information. In addition, some of the data collected from such institutions are too rudimentary to meet the requirements of its credit reporting system. Chinese smartphone and appliance maker Xiaomi has fired a vice president for, quote, obscene behavior. 
Wang Lingming, who leads the company's business in Africa, was dismissed by Xiaomi last week, according to an internal letter that Xiaomi later confirmed. According to the letter, Wang violated Article 44 of China's public safety law without specifying Wang's actions, but the article largely focuses on banning public nudity or exposing oneself. Xiaomi has yet to publicly comment on the issue or announce any replacement for Wang's position. Let's turn now, as we do each week, to some of Caixin Global's reporters and editors for a deeper dive into some of the news of the week. This week, it's just Doug Young, managing editor of Caixin Global, with a couple of stories to chat about. One is a story that, in a previous life, I might have pushed back on a bit, but out of duty only. Full disclosure: from 2010 to 2016, I served as Baidu's director of international communications, and my ex-companies in the news for reasons that would have given me heartburn just a few years ago.、Uh, Doug, tell us what's going on with Baidu. And the tough times they're going through. Yeah, it's been a, a rough two weeks, really, but a, about a week and a half for Baidu. Basically, the the big bomb that started the whole thing was their latest earnings report, and they put out an earnings report basically showing they posted their first ever loss. Talk about net profit, net loss. They they posted a net loss for the first time since becoming a publicly traded company 15 years ago. So you know this first loss in 15 years, and you know sometimes you can pass off the the loss to one time things, but this really did not look good. I mean, you look their certain. Search business, which has always been their bread and butter, and and really they've had pretty much a monopoly on、uh, a stranglehold on the market. Profits for the search business just like went through the floor,、uh, dropped like eighty percent or something like that. And at the same time, they've got these up and coming businesses. Well, I don't know. Up and coming is is maybe debatable, but they've got a、uh, ICE, which is their video business, which looks like it's heading in a good direction, but still losing lots of money. And then there's number three, which is their artificial intelligence, which is centered a lot on self driving cars.、Uh, that seems to be sucking up tons of money and doesn't necessarily look like it's yielding anything just yet. So basically, the bottom line was a loss, and since then, Baidu's stock has just tanked、uh, over the last seven trading days, six seven trading days after they dropped this bombshell. The stock fell twenty five percent, which is you know a quarter of their market value. And in that drop,、uh, they also notched another big、uh, milestone, which was essentially their market value became lower than that of、uh, another company called Meituan, which、uh, some people may know, but they're. An online to offline company do a lot of、uh, takeout dining services and stuff like that.、Uh, but anyhow, so Baidu, you know, for the longest time, people have talked about the BAT, Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent being the the big three internet companies. And with this huge sell off, Baidu is now quite a bit below、uh, Meituan. So people are starting to say, is is the BAT era over? And the new era is now ATM,、uh, being Alibaba, Tencent, and Meituan. So does this feel like the new normal, or do you think they're going to bounce back,、uh, or what do you think the future holds for Baidu? Some people might look at this and say, well, about a year ago or a year and a half ago, Baidu actually had some similar issues, and the stock took a bit of a beating. I can't remember what the issue was back then. But、uh, at the same time, JD.com, which is Alibaba's big rival, was on the up and up, and、uh, JD actually passed Baidu in terms of market value. But it really didn't last for that long. It lasted maybe a few days or even a month. Although everybody was talking about it at the time as 
the beginning of the JAT era. Of course, uh, we know JD.com is having its own issues, although I think JD.com with this this big Baidu sell-off is actually worth more than Baidu now. So Baidu's fallen to number five instead of just number four. To answer your question, though, in terms of is this going to be another JD sort of short term? Because after that, Baidu actually sort of bounced back very strongly. My answer is probably this time it could be for good. Maybe Baidu, if IGE ever turns around or starts earning big money or the artificial intelligence starts paying off, that'll help. But that's not for another year or two at least. And there's no guarantee those will come through. And, and the bottom line is that Baidu's search business is, is really fighting for, for business. I mean, it, its profit dropped, like I said, 70 or 80 percent. And it sounds like on their conference call to sort of talk about the results, they weren't all that upbeat, which is what caused the the big sell-off. Another big company just reported called uh, Weibo. I think a lot of people know that. That's like China's Twitter. They they also were making similar comments in their uh, results about the advertising market not being very good right now. And, you know, China's economy is slowing. Companies, one of the first things they cut are their marketing budgets. And that's where advertising goes. So, you know, on top of that, there's also a lot of internet companies, more and more internet companies chasing these advertising dollars. So things are looking not so good for Baidu, I'd say right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise buying the stock for the long term, although, you know, maybe this big drop is a bit of an oversell and it could bounce back a little bit. Well, we'll check in with you on and see if your predictions prove to be wrong and we will ruthlessly mock you or worse if you are wrong. That's right. You'll sell me some Baidu shares at inflated price. (laughs) Speaking of shares, uh, there's another company whose shares are under a bit of pressure, and it's a company we never get tired of talking about, a Starbucks challenger, of which Tanner is a big fan. Luckin Coffee. So tell us about what's going on with these guys. Yeah, he says, as as we sit in a room with a cup of Luckin Coffee sitting right next to us. Yes, this is a Starbucks challenger called Luckin. This is a company that sort of came out of nowhere, got a big chunk of change, and has just been on steroids opening little coffee shops. But they they say they're Starbucks challenger because, you know, they do sell coffee in similar style cups, a similar, you know, range of flavors, blah, blah, blah. But they're much more minimalist than Starbucks. They, They sell in these really scaled down stores, no seating, very small in terms of square footage and usually just one or two baristas in the store. So anyhow, the story is this this company called Luckin uh, got some change, and they've been opening uh, stores at a breakneck pace in China. I think they have more than 2,000 now after being just in business for a year and a half. And guess what? They decided to do an IPO just after a year and a half of being in business. The IPO happened late last week, but the the story at the time of the IPO was what's the stock going to do? Who's going to want to buy shares of such a young company? No track record, making massive losses, even though they say they can open lots of stores and challenge Starbucks. And then guess what? They ended up upping their fundraising target uh, from an original $100 million to $500 million. And the trading debut, the stock went up as much as 50%. And then it settled back down, but it, it still ended its first day up around 20, 25%. So, okay, all the cameras are gone. The, the lights are down. This company's got to still keep trading. Well, guess what's happened in the, whatever, three, four trading days since that debut? You can probably guess the answer. Uh, the stock ain't done so well. 
And now it's actually well below its IPO price. And my personal prediction is it will probably get down to maybe half the IPO price before it finds a bottom maybe in the next month or two. So if you're looking for a stock to short, take my advice and and short this one. Uh, Final question for you, Doug. Unpack for us why this happened, how it happened. Uh, What's your take on this? From a financial market standpoint, I personally think there's all sorts of manipulation going on behind the scenes. And, and, you know, that's why it's important to look at a stock, what it's doing two, three, four, five, you know, one, two weeks after the debut, because it's so easy to manipulate the stock on the first trading day to get lots of positive media reports and get people buzzing and stuff. And also the company upped their IPO to 500 million, which is quite a large offering. And again, I think there's probably some manipulation in that. I think probably a lot of those $500 million worth of stock was probably from a very small group of investors rather than this big group of stock market buyers like they would probably want you to believe. You know, there's probably a few of their early investors wanted to sort of hype the company. So they bought all this stock and said, oh, look, we raised so much money. Then they probably kept trading the stock at high prices for the first day to make the IPO look pretty. And then finally they said, all right, we're going to sit back and and let markets run their course. And look what's happened. Uh, you know, their investment is, is going down the tubes. So to answer your question, you, you see this happen not too infrequently. You know, companies full of hype, probably a bit of manipulation going on behind the scenes in terms of trading, you know, people trading at pre-agreed prices that are maybe nobody in the real market would really pay. But like, it's like, hey, it's let's trade at $15. And even though nobody else would trade at that price. So you probably have a bit of that happening. And, and you know, once the lights are down, uh, you know, the crowds are gone, no more confetti, it's basically up to the stock to sink or swim by itself. And that's when the real buyers come in and they're saying this thing is way overvalued, but we'll pay this much for it. Well, I say this every week, but these are definitely both stories that we are going to want to follow up on. So we will talk to you again soon, Doug. Thanks, Kaiser. Thank you. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Syndicate Business Brief is powered by SupChina and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Taishin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen back next week. Special thanks to Li Xin of Taishin Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Syndicate Network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at SupChina. Subscribe to our newsletter at subchina.com. Take care.